Welcome to At the Sidestep, a Walker and Walker Independence podcast. Take a seat, grab a drink, and let's dive in. I'm your host, Briar, and I'm also joined by my co-host, Kat and Shannon. On this episode, we'll be talking about season three, episode 12 of Walker, called Best Laid Plans, and Walker Independence, season one, episode 12, How We Got Here. The food this week is Cajun food, and the drink is Shirley Temple's. Let's dive into Walker. So the synopsis is, Cordell and Cassie soon realize they aren't the only ones keeping secrets, leaving Cassie to question who she can trust. The rest of the family focuses on the horse rescue, but they still find themselves facing a few challenges. Paula Hunziker directed the episode written by Jerry Carrillo. I want to say first, we we brought it up last last week, but how misleading is that synopsis? Because it's like, leaving Cassie (laughs) to question who she can trust. Yeah, I feel like Cassie wasn't a huge part of this episode, really. Yeah. So, like, it focused a lot on Trey going undercover and then um, how Cordell was dealing with everything. Yes. Yeah. So. And, and we all yeah. assume that the who we can trust meant Kevin, but she's dumped Kevin. Yeah. Although she still shouldn't trust him. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that sus bus is getting awful full. Yeah. <laughs> Julia's driving it. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to call it the Sus Bus from now on. <laughs> it is, though. Um, so I do want to say the episode was fantastic. I loved it. Loved every part of it. Except, you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I don't like Julia. <laughs> and I, I want her grubby like hands away from Cordell. <laughs> I think the fandom is very split on this. Or at least the reactions that I've seen are very split on this. Um, yeah. I've seen so, a lot of people who are like, let Cordell be a hoe. It's okay. I'm like, yeah, he can. I just don't trust Julia. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's like, she she always manages to get him to admit, like, the deepest parts of himself without barely even trying. And she just has so much information that she shouldn't have. And then she walked away with a USB stick. And it's like, why would you let her have that? <laughs> I am, like, I'm, like, so suspicious of her. Like, I have this deep fear, like just this feeling that she's like one, he says, I trust that you're trying to help me take down gray flag. And I, I'm pretty sure she didn't say, yes, yes, I am. She said something totally different. Um, and like, I have this feeling that she knew that Cooper's mom had passed away, which is why she kept on pushing it. So that he would be affected by it. Mm. Then thus leading to them having sex. <laughs> yeah. And she was very handsy. And here's my mm-hmm. thing is the reason I accept it just a little bit better is I'm one of the ones that think that he's playing her back. Yes, I agree. Like while he is get, is willingly giving her like all this emotional stuff. Notice that he's not giving her very much details on the case, on the plan. Like he's making sure she doesn't know about Trey. Like he's like keeping all of that close to his vest and he wouldn't even go over the information with her. Yeah. So I was going to say, I thought it was funny 
that he said to Trey, be careful not to get attached. Mm-hmm. A sad story, it would be surprised how you can be drawn in by a sad story. Now, to yeah. me, that has multiple meanings, but it's also funny that he goes and starts telling Julia all these sad stories. Yeah. Um, while we were watching the episode and live tweeting, I did tweet out saying that I had seen a couple people saying they were wondering if maybe Cordell was playing her back. And I agree with that. I personally feel like he's doing it because it could be like a like a James Trey situation where the the entire time we're mad at Captain James because we think he's just being randomly horrible to Trey. But it turns out, oh, no, they were both in on it and Trey was going undercover. And then maybe this is Cordell being sneaky and just, you know, playing along. And then, oh, well, actually, Captain James and Trey and Cordell are all in on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're all in on him sleeping with Julia. <laughs> yeah, because this is the first time he's slept with somebody undercover, you know? I just I feel-, feel like, too, it's it's like she comes across information too easily. Yeah, agreed. Like she has this, I I guess she's a journalist, but like still she has all of this information that's just readily available, no questions asked. It's always, oh, somebody can do me a favor, somebody can do that. And it's so suspicious. Who who are these somebodies? Why don't we ever figure out who they are? Why does she never say, hey, my friend James, or not James, (laughs) my friend John, and then like introduce Cordell to them maybe because. Like, Trey's gone undercover, and we've met so many new characters through that, but Julia never really gives up her sources, and it's just really bizarre to me that she wouldn't even, I don't know, even a nickname or something. Or, I don't know, like, this guy I know who lives blah. This guy I know who works at the Pentagon, who just happens to be at Aust- in Austin right now. Yeah, but you'll never meet him, because Austin is so big. <laughs> it's just so suspicious. Yeah. Like, and the whole, like... And I get maybe maybe she's just a nice person and she always brings gifts. But like another person who always brings gifts is Kevin. Yeah. And he's also suspicious. I wouldn't mind a sandwich, though. They're in on it together. Yeah. Although, yeah, I am. uh, Yeah. Yeah. What if they're in it together? Like because they know Mm -hmm. each other. That's what I joked around about that. They're like secretly married. Yeah. (laughs) And and what is it about? him always bringing like her always bringing him food Mm -hmm. i personally i think that cordell has been playing julia since like right after they got rescued because maybe he needed her in that situation just to get out but then once he realized who she might be he you know put his walls up and now look what happened um but i do want to uh i do want to have a like a disclosure is it's not it's not about shipping. It's not that I don't like Julia with Cordell because I prefer him with someone else. Although, yes, I do. But it's it's just the fact that I don't trust Julia and I'm scared she's going to find a way to hurt him. And I just hope that he is playing her back. And I hope that people can understand my um, reservations about the two of them, regardless of if you're all happy we get to see him smooch some ladies. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, too, uh, like, I... I have said pretty much since the beginning of episode like one of season three is that a lot of the season so far has been showing Cordell's intelligence. Yeah. And I feel like him going into this whole Julia situation where he's kind of like, yeah, I trust her. No questions asked. Yeah. Like, I think 
that's what also makes me think that that something's up because you're showcasing how intelligent he is the first half of the season. And it feels like he wouldn't be completely like blind or like not suspicious at all of her. Yeah. Like my issues with it. Like I have several issues. Like I think he's playing her and if he's playing her, then I'm fine with it. But we didn't get to see him shirtless after the sex scene. And that's just unfair. Yes. That's (laughs) one of my issues with it. We didn't get shirtless. Yeah. I'm offended on behalf of my eyes. Like we didn't even get barefoot Corda. <laughs> Not even one single nipple. <laughs> like and we didn't even get single layer Cordell. Yeah, he still had both layers on. It was weird. It was um... like all we know is like she was zipping up a boot and that was the clue that more clothes came off. Maybe they have a contract that means he has to have one sex scene every season because he has. Well, you know what? I like the contract. I'm for this contract, but where's my shirtless contract? Yeah. Maybe it's because he's not, like, he did say recently um, that he can't work out as much due to his knee. Mm -hmm. So maybe he's like, I don't think I can get in shirtless shape. Oh. I hope that's not it. (laughs) That would make me sad. Yeah. Um, What else happened in this episode? (laughs) I focused (laughs) so much on that sex scene. Um, uh, the horse rescue yes which which i'm glad somebody else screenshotted it um rebar but, rebar yeah, yeah. So the back horse that's named rebar mm-hmm. incredible amazing I, so funny i thought it was really sweet when they got the donor and uh liam went over and like held hands with bonham it was so cute Aww. i was like i love so them cool. and yeah. then i'm glad they're all doing that together yeah i love that that's the heartwarming part of the show. Mm-hmm. The sus part of the show is um, Kevin and August. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What's that? Red flag. <laughs> yeah. Like, why Red would flag you... of gray flag. I mean. Why yeah. would you talk to a minor and be like, hey, you want to learn how to be like a sleazy politician? <laughs> he's trying to infiltrate the family and he's trying to get information from all their different friends and all the different family members. Listen, I am passionate about this, but Kevin is not a good guy. <laughs> I agree. I feel like if Cordell had been a woman, he would have tried to date her instead. <laughs> but he just went with Cassie and he's like, damn it, now I have no one else. So he's moving on to I, August. Like, I, I honestly feel like he set that up because there's no way he didn't know about the horse rescue because they do have a website and he would have known that. And did you see him like purposely place that horse happy trails yep. Um, yep. thing on there? Yeah. Like, that was him doing an in and favors her currency, and that was just so suspicious. Now it wor- it it works. It might end up helping the rescue, hopefully, or not. There might be some other suspicious stuff that comes along the way. Uh, but that was just like, and him, I'm going to fall on my sword by getting your liquor license, you know, renewed faster. And I'm just like, um. Oh, wow. It's the fact that he offered to do that. And then August even said, like, no, my dad wants me to kind of do it the normal way. And then he did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, where are said, your... don't tell your father. Do your you father not... doesn't have to know. Do you not understand boundaries, Kevin, my man, my guy? <laughs> like, you didn't learn from doing stuff for Cassie without her permission. Yeah. But August just sees it as a win because he's like, oh, great. But, like, it's not. It's it's really not. It's suspicious, August. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he makes me nervous. 
Yeah. I'll come out to the ranch and teach you how to do communication. That's not creepy. That's creepy. It's <laughs> a little creepy. Um, so getting into so- kind of getting into like the biggest kind of reveal at right at um, the end. Yeah, yeah, but so it, it's it's interesting how they planted the piece of information where Cordell was talking about how the flag was like tattered and torn Mm -hmm. and then before we even see cooper we see on the gray flag like compound too well we got to talk about trey too but Mm -hmm. um we see on the compound that the that's the same flag Mm -hmm. it's tattered and and torn yep Um, which which means that cooper went to his mom's house or somebody went to his mom's house and he knows that his mom is has passed away so this means potentially that Cooper is like the leader of Grey Flag, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. That's what a lot of people I'm, have been saying. They think that he's the leader. I'm sensing that. What would be hilarious is if it turns out it's Kevin. Like, <laughs> Trey lines up to meet the leader of Grey Flag and it's Kevin. The leader of Grey Flag comes out in like a full piece suit. Here's an interesting theory that is probably not going to be correct, but... The way it's leaving off now, it would be an interesting theory. Mm-hmm. Is what if it is Kevin and his grandmother died, so he still thinks his dad's dead. His grandmother died, so he took the flag and he hung the flag up. And the scene we get at the end where Cooper is coming, like Cooper stops out of the truck, is Cooper like coming back into town or something and nobody knows he's alive, but he's not part of Grey Flag. Yeah, because that could be that could happen too. Yeah, I just feel like with the way it was worded in the trailer for next week's episode, where it's like the leader's going to come out and blah blah blah, and the way that Cooper was revealed, it seems very similar to you know a grand reveal of the leader being Cooper. Mm-hmm. But who but knows? I feel like, could uh, be yeah, I feel like they that's that's one way of like they could be like, oh, everybody thinks now because of the flag and then Cooper at the end that Cooper's going to be the leader. But what if it's still Kevin? Kevin thinks his dad is dead mm. still. And um, he hung that flag up as sort of like a memorial to his dad because he got it now that his grandma's dead. Yeah. So that's that's my little like loophole I'm going to go in that I'm going to just get disproven on Thursday, but it's fine. Honestly, it could I'm go either way. Disproven too, but like, like, I think he's probably like I was having this conversation with somebody and I was like, you know, you're making good points because that'd be really clever if they did it. It was also really clever how they did it anyway, but that'd be really clever. And he just came to town because his mom passed away yeah, and he wants to come pay his respects, but if which you have to wonder, though, if, if everyone thinks he's dead, why would he just suddenly appear just because his mom died Who, when his mom thought he was dead? And everyone and he knows. We don't actually know if his mom thought he was dead because hmm. Cordell never talked to her. Yeah, it's just weird to be like, why would he show up now of all times if he's not involved with Grey Flag? Yeah, yeah. Because I would understand going to the funeral, but the way the way it was um, shown in the show was so dramatic of a reveal that I was like, oh, he's doing something bad. <laughs> yeah. And also, I like the thought of him being the leader of Grey Flag just because, for one, he's very attractive. Um, oh, yeah. For two, for two, he has a really gnarly face scar, which I'm super into. And for three, sexy. I... Yeah. Can we say it? Call it sexy? It's, it's absolutely sexy. sexy. 
I hope David B. Meadows listens to this so that he knows how everyone thirsts over him. Um, yes. But I also love the idea of him being the leader and coming to uh, like a mano a mano situation with Cordell where it's like they're the last two people and they have to fight and they're like, you know, it's like a boss fight in a video game. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is like if he if he really is the, the leader of Grey Flag, I want I just want to know why. Why is he doing this? Hmm. Part of me is like one one thing they've been putting in all this time is following the rules. Like fault like when we went to the flashback of the first of the season, it was everybody like tries to follow the rules and it's like um go off you can go off book. And he was really happy that Cordell was willing to go off book. So mm. I thought that like it was cool. So my question is, was he thinking about leaving the Marines before the explosion happened, or did he use the explosion as cover to desert the Marines? I just thought of a really stupid theory that I need to say out loud. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All my theories are stupid, so bear with me. Um, what if his entire reason for being involved with Grey Flag is due to him having lost his faith in the military due to the explosion. And, you know, because he was alone and he almost died, and then him not having any backup or feeling, you know, feeling that loneliness, he probably feeling thought... Feeling abandoned, yeah. Yeah, like he probably thought the military had turned their backs on him, so he's going to turn their ba his back on them. And then he started tracking down the old uh, members of Cordell's unit because he had seen what they had turned their lives into like the one guy who was really addicted to drugs and the other guy who uh, Tommy who was like living off the grid who was barely living a life at all maybe it was like I'm ashamed of who you've all become so I'm going to take you out and then Cordell is still alive simply because he's always been proud of Cordell for you know being similar to him and seeing him as a ranger um, who kind of has a tendency to break the rules and it's been very well documented in the newspapers maybe he's like yeah cordell's great i'm not gonna kill him or though although he could change his mind and be like yeah i'm gonna kill him now because he's following too many rules you know it's a really stupid theory but i'm just like hmm that's stupid you never know see my theory my theory was kind of like along the lines of basically something happened and they thought he was dead and he was he ended up being rescued by kind of like a group that he sees as kind of like by the group that was probably targeted by the Marines. Mm -hmm. So he sees that other side and how wrong the Marines were and their mission was. Mm -hmm. And so that taints him and causes him to, to do gray flag. I'm still thinking that what do you call it was wrong, <clears throat> that Cordell is wrong. And it's not that, they're being hunted to be killed, but they're being recruited out of, and maybe he does blame them for just leaving him. That would be a good reason that he's like hunting them down. Yeah. But why after 20 years, would, why would you wait 20 years to hunt him down? Because it's um, very cinematic and that's why. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's like he finally got his organization up to the point where he was trying to recruit them 
And I think he had actually recruited Ortiz, mm-hmm. but Ortiz just couldn't handle the pressure and cracked under the pressure. Mm-hmm. I, I think Sam, um, because he was deaf, he just failed in a, like, he was on a mission and he just, like, the mission failed. And, like, you know, what would have happened to Lana if Trey hadn't been there? Lana would have passed away and then it would have just gone on. Mm-hmm. Actually, so, should we should we talk about Trey? My baby Trey? Yeah, we should. My little baby Trey? My little baby Trey that doesn't know you need to remove that shirt and rip it apart to make bandages. Yeah. Again, we were denied. <laughs> he didn't. Um, I, I loved his whole, everything going on with him in this entire episode. Like, the fact that he was willing to stand up for himself when everything was said and done and be like, you know, I cannot have you guys around me. I need to do mm-hmm. this alone. Um, and to take that and set those boundaries, it's really important. Because if, if he thinks he could potentially screw something up, that's going to fall back on him. It could get people hurt, you know, or worse. <laughs> Um, and Cassie did get hurt. Yeah, exactly. And I bet he blames himself, although he was still mad about it. <laughs> but yeah. I do think somewhere deep down he blames himself because she wouldn't have been in that situation if it hadn't been for him. And not ripping his shirt. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Right. I think that that was probably um, the the dumb dumbest decision I've seen Cassie make so far where I'm like, I, I just wish she hadn't done it. I love Cassie. Don't get me wrong. I just think it was a dumb decision because that puts her in the line of fire. It screws up potentially Trey's whole undercover gig. And it's just, just, I don't know. I don't know. I just wish that she hadn't done it. Yeah. See, my part is, and I'm, I'm so sorry. I keep on going against you, but we all agree that he, we should have more Charlotte scenes. Yes, but absolutely. I, I honestly understood Cassie. Cassie's point was Trey was not going to leave. Trey was not going to move past it and they were going to lose their opportunity and they're in with gray flag Mm -hmm. so she took a calculated risk of trying to pretend to be a bystander of you know doing that Mm -hmm. so i kind of understood cassie what i don't understand is frey knows how from a personal experience how bad it is when you go undercover Mm -hmm. because he lost mickey that way yeah (laughs) I think, so, I don't know. and the fact that, like, maybe he's trying to, he's remembering that, you know, maybe if Mickey had been able to do it alone, she would have, it would have been better, but it wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. But, um, I really, I was just like, Trey, listen to people, you're, you're a newbie. Listen to the people who have been there. Listen to the people who have done it. Um, Cordell not having backup caused him to go off the rails. Um, Mickey being alone with Garrison and not having them have her back at times is what really sent her off the rails. So, and like really messed her up. So it's like, Trey, I know you want to do this alone and you have to do it alone for a good part, but you really need to understand that this is dangerous and we're here for you. And you really need backup and stop thinking that you can do it on this own because these two people thought they could do it on their own and look what happened to them. Yeah, but Trey's mm-hmm. better than both of them. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> and no, no, that's what Mickey thought about her over Cordell. Yeah. She thought she was better than Cordell. I think And I'm not saying that it's the same, but it's uh it's a it's a running theme 
and I'm I'm sure something's going to happen to Trey. I'm absolutely like a hundred percent sure. Not that he's going to get hurt, not that he's going to die, but something's going to happen while he's undercover. Like maybe Lana passes away and he can't save her, or something else happens, and he's going to be messed up because he decided to go it alone. And that part of my brain, it's like, oh my gosh, you are making a silly decision. Um, I think that he going to overload. I think that even though he said he needs to be alone for this type of stuff, I don't think he meant completely alone because, like, technically it's still going through Ranger HQ. So Captain James and Cassie and even Cordell, they might still be watching, but not quite as closely. Like, they're not helicopter parents. They don't have <laughs> to have security footage on him and, you know, be parked 20 feet away. Maybe they're going to let him be off leash for a bit and just make sure that he comes back and tells them what he learned. And so they'll still be involved, I think, at least I hope, um, because it's it's See, what I was such getting a big is that operation. They wouldn't be, that he was just going to do the whole thing like that Cordell and Mickey were supposed to do where he'll check in. I don't like know. Like what they did. I think. And it... how that kind of like went out of the way. Yeah. Because like. So that is my that is my concern. My concern is he thinks he can handle it like the other people thought they could handle it and then something is going to go wrong and something's really going to hurt Trey. He's always been very level-headed though. And he's going to like start doubting himself or something and it's going to have to be like he but he's always been level-headed but he deserves an emotional turmoil arc. More than being the dumped boyfriend. Yeah. But I mean. So I'm thinking that's what's going to happen with this. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I just like see it coming. And I'm like, no, Trey, you're making a bad decision. <laughs> but um, that's what I think. That's why I think that. Yeah. I just don't think it's as likely to happen with Trey just simply because he is more level headed than Cordell and even more than Mickey. He's always been kind of the voice of reason and. I feel like he wouldn't he wouldn't go quite as off the rails as Cordell or Mickey. In my opinion, I think he he'll be able to manage it, but he might have some trauma afterwards, which will be yeah. interesting to explore, but I don't I know. I think he's got a good plan though. Yeah. He's just, like, he's, like, got a, he's got a plan going in there. Yeah, he's just so good. He's so great. He's perfect in everything. I I just like I just it's like I I see that I see like somebody about to trip. I, I know it's going to happen and there's nothing I can do. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, no, look down. But that's how I feel. And that's why it's, I, I was not on Trey's side in that conversation. Cause it's like, Oh, Trey, listen to the people. They, we, we all know that this is bad stuff, mm -hmm. but uh, it's going to make a good story oh, when yeah. like, something happens to Trey and he's got to face like the internal turmoil of it. Mm -hmm. I kind of want him to face internal turmoil because I think in a way he's been too perfect and too level-headed. I, 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 does that make sense? It's not like, it's not like I want him to suffer, but in a way, yes. Don't you start talking <laughs> shit about my man. <laughs> because I want him to like, cause you become stronger if you overcome something. Yeah, that's true. And I want him to have character growth and to overcome something and for that, he's going to have to, like, suffer a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just a little suffering. Just a little maiming. It's okay. Just a little. Just a little. He'll be all right. Yeah. yeah. So the synopsis for season one, episode 12 of Walker Independence called How We Got Here. 
Through a series of letters, Gus writes to his late wife, the origin stories of Abby, Hoyt, Kate, Kai, Callian, and Tom are revealed, along with the role each played in each other's destiny. The episode was written by Seamus Kevin Fahey and Nikki Renna and directed by Sheelan Chuxi. Okay. 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 I'm going to preach this. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to dive right into it before we talk about the episode. Because Shannon and I touched on a little bit last episode about how amazing and how incredible this episode is. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad the world got to see it. And I'm glad now we get to talk about it, especially with Kat. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, okay. This episode, I said it before, I'll say it again, I said it online all week, is the most beautiful episode. Mm-hmm. And personally, this show, you know, when when the idea was brought up of a prequel, I was excited about it. And I was excited to see the story, you know, as as the actors got cast, I was excited to see them and, and all the different roles and all the different um, people that we were going to see in Independence. But I did not expect to connect with it this much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it it's the writing, it's the cinematography, it's the actors, it's the crew and the producers and all of the love that they put into it and all of their hard work and effort. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, I think it speaks volumes when you have an ensemble cast as big as independence and you love each and every character and you root for each and every character, even the ones that are supposedly bad. Um, and you're so invested in their stories. We have only seen 12 episodes of this show. 12. Mm-hmm. And we are so invested in their stories, in their lives, in their actors. And man, there's one episode left. Of the season? Of the season, yes. <laughs> um, I haven't seen it yet. So I'm totally talking blind without knowing what's going on in the finale. But I know I kind of said this in a tweet. Like, if, if you follow us during live tweeting, you know we joke around a lot. But my goodness, would it be devastating to lose this show? Yes. Man, I just, I just can't talk. I I can't talk enough about how incredible this episode was. Mm -hmm. I, I literally can't. Yeah. I mean, if we're, if we're, so if we're going to start, I'm sorry. I, I am going to always preach about this episode because it's just amazing and incredible and I, I just need to, like, voice all of that of, like, it's just amazing. And I love this show so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, first and foremost, I just think we need to talk about Philly. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. This was Philly's episode. This it was 100% was. his episode. Yeah. I need and- him to do more narrating. Yeah. I need him. He should do an audiobook. <laughs> Yes. His his voice has that quality and that gravitas. And between his voice and the beyond brilliant writing Mm -hmm. of just the sometimes home is a person. Mm -hmm. And you'll be surprised how much you can flourish 
when you find the stability and sense of purpose of home. And I was just like, and right now even talking about it, I'm getting chills. I need like, I need an independence poster or one with Gus on it with all of the quotes from this episode. Ooh, that'd be great. And Philly's voice is so like warm, Mm. but engaging and it like wraps you in a hug. Mm-hmm. oh gosh yes it feels like talking to somebody in your family that you love that you haven't seen in a while so you get that really warm feeling and you're just listening to them talk about their life yeah and how everything's going yeah uh, but it was also, just it was a perfect tie-in throughout the entire episode yeah it was so perfect but it was also i'm just gonna say it this episode was painful too yeah like it was heartbreaking like y'all weren't kidding when y'all said five minutes in you're gonna grab the tissues yeah. because yeah five minutes in oh yeah when he when he got the letter that his wife passed away <laughs> that was the first like sob <laughs> yeah that's when the the dam broke and everybody started crying i was yeah. crying like oh, i would already seen it and i was crying anyway <laughs> yeah it was yeah. So good, and, and I just loved. I loved getting to see, like, like obviously you're you're through the pain of how he lost his wife, but mm. just getting to see how he and Callian met, and how Callian took him back, and and they accepted him, and yeah. and then the way, oh my goodness, and then the way we find out when he goes into town mm-hmm. that Callian was the one who recommended him to be deputy. Oh my god! Yeah, and he became a true staple in town where, you know, he's that scene of him walking down and, you know, helping someone put a thing in their cart and, mm-hmm. you know, waving to everybody and saying good morning. And it's just he's so beloved in that town. And that's why it hurts so much to think he could be potentially dead. Potentially. We're not talking about that yet. <laughs> but no, like, OK, you don't talk about that. Talk- like a lot of times there's a lot of exposition. There's a lot of dialogue. And you're more focused on the dialogue. Mm-hmm. But here, they make everything so beautiful. But it's beautiful in a way that it doesn't detract from the dialogue. It adds to the depth of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it just makes... I, I had this thought while watching this episode. And I'm sure it's going to sound really over the top, like just Catherine. But um, I thought of, I feel sorrow for the people who never get to experience watching this episode. Yeah. Because they're missing out. And I'm sure there's plenty of shows out there where I'm missing out. Mm -hmm. But that was my thought watching this episode. This is one of the episodes of television that you are truly missing out if you do not get to witness the beauty and the brilliance of this episode Mm -hmm. yeah i um when the episode was only like two minutes in and it was showing callian underneath the or callian and gus underneath the tree and it was a big wide shot with the like the yellow and Mm -hmm. it is it i lost my mind on twitter and i tweeted a screenshot of it because it is like art it is absolutely the most gorgeous single frame i've ever seen of any show ever um and if anyone listening to this works on the show can y'all send me like a high quality jpeg and so i can print it out and have it on my wall (laughs) i'll pay you money 
<laughs> when they move um when they move Gus and he's like about to get the letter. Yeah. And they show like stuff in the top of like from the sky like hanging from like above him. Mm-hmm. I, I just, don't know exactly what it was, but it was so pretty the way it was put together. Yeah, I feel like I just really like this specific director a lot. Because um, from what I understand, he also directed uh, episode nine, which is the one where I was like, it's like Kung Fu Hustle. <laughs> um, oh, it's pronounced Shaleen. Huh. Welp. <laughs> well, <laughs> Apologies, Shaleen. We, we didn't know how to pronounce your so, name. So... He's also a co-executive producer of Independence. Oh, fancy. Uh, Oops. And he eats ice cream when it's cold, and I thought that was great. He directed Pax Romana, Strange Bedfellows, yeah, episode 9 and 12, so 4, 9, and 12. I knew it. All right. Wait, so he did the the Pax Romana with the dance scene? Yeah. With Kate Kate, uh, in drag doing the dance scene? The, the song that's still stuck in my head sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I just, four, yeah, four, nine, and 12. I just think he's a fantastic director and really knows how to line up the shots. And I'm sure there is more to it than, you know, just the director, like the uh, the AD and everything like that. But, yeah. but I just, um, yeah, I just, I like every episode he's made so much. So yes. much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Um, I liked this episode um, that it was, it was almost like cut into sections. Yeah. Um, but I liked that everything flowed. Um, and I okay. like that they, every character kind of got their own spotlight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was just done really well. And the way it was like woven into the next person. And then, you know, Gus's narration kind of took it from story to story that it was just kind of effortless. Yeah, I loved seeing Kate meet Hagen for the first time. Yeah, I love seeing Kate meet Kai, and I'm glad we got because they yes. talked about their meeting, and I was so <clears throat> thankful to get to see him say that wonderful phrase of "I don't mind the bitter days; they give the sweet ones their flavor." Mm-hmm. And seeing that, like seeing that play out, and seeing her get her umbrella, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah, it's just okay. But but Mark Shepard though. <laughs> no, so we get that, and then it goes into her just basically, you know, telling Mark Shepard's character what for, mm. and it was just, yeah. I like that they uh, they chose to allow Mark to show off his tattoos because they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I also like seeing kind of the duality of who he used to be versus who he became. He was shouting. <laughs> He was yelling real hard. And then I guess through Kate's influence and potentially just from getting closer to her, he became kind of a big softy for the most part. And then he he literally gave up his business to rescue her. So it's just sweet to see how much he grew with Kate in his life. I I loved I love that so much. Yeah. And how basically she was like <clears throat> he could like basically he got pa- she got past his armor. Yeah. And uh, it was just... She became like a surrogate child to him. <laughs> it was really... It's really cute. <laughs> I really love it. And, okay, Katie Finley and Mark Shepard together are amazing off screen and on. Yeah. It's just like, oh, wow. Yeah. And, yes, obviously, I do really love Kai. I think that their interactions are very sweet. <laughs> I just... I lose my mind over Mark Shepard a lot. 
Mark Shepard, like, that's I, fair. Like, <laughs> it is fair. <laughs> like, one of the things that impresses me so much about Wendy is every single episode, like, although this was probably the most beautiful episode of television, there is not an episode of Wendy that wasn't very pretty. Yeah. Like, every single episode of Wendy is has the cinematic quality, mm-hmm. just this beauty and this this episode really just like took it to the next level but it's always there and then like you read how what what laura terry did the list of everything they've been through to make the season and you're just like how yeah how do you give us cinematic quality on the weekly you did it quickly you did it on time you did it faster than time and you just and you got it done and it's this good Mm -hmm. like they had to do like apparently book is like their third director of photography Mm -hmm. um and he's so good and just like dealing with the cold the lightning delays the like just everything it's yeah. just amazing they put everything into this show and you can really tell like it shows mm-hmm. absolutely in every second of screen time it's perfection there is so no- much care and so much love yeah and if it does not get renewed it's just gonna be right yeah we're all gonna cry collectively it i just right. it sucks I not knowing say, <laughs> i would say but it's just like <laughs> Uh, um anymore we need to talk about hoyt little where he got his jacket yeah little baby hoyt with his mom whose name is stella by the way which is great um he was so cute that little kid he did such a good job of like matching hoyt's mannerisms and it was nice to know how he learned how much he knows it's very it's like bittersweet because it's it's sad that he had to grow up in that kind of situation because he never had a chance to have a normal life. Mm-hmm. But it's also just really sweet that he clearly loved his mom. Yeah. I hope she comes back. Like, maybe she'll get out of prison or I don't know. Did it ever mention if she's still alive? The only thing I said was when or that I think was implied was when he was talking to the surprise cameo guest. Yeah. And, and said like I lost that person a long time ago. Yeah. But I I I wasn't but it doesn't sure. mean Yeah. It doesn't know. It doesn't really say if she's alive or just lost her because she went away. Exactly. I wasn't sure if it meant just prison or dead. And maybe but, they left it that way on purpose so that they could eventually maybe bring her in or not. Yeah, in season 2, which they're definitely going to get. <clears throat> kind of like the surprise cameo guest. Yeah. Is alive and we don't know if we're going to see them in season two or not he's alive but but he lost his coat (laughs) lost his coat i need to say that okay so obviously the surprise cameo guest is jared padalecki coming in but i need to say i think it was hilarious and when i watched it the first time too i was like of course is that his like he's got only a few lines or whatever, but the majority of it is a dad joke. Yeah, I love it. I love that he he so got fitting. shot for a dad joke. That's so yeah. on brand. <laughs> so on brand. It is just I loved how small yet meaningful it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
And I love it that he was not trying to detract from the story, which he could have, mm-hmm. but he didn't, like, I'm sure he didn't want to, but, yeah. like, we got a dad joke. We and got, I laughed, like, I laughed like, at Hoyt, Hoyt saying, like, haven't I seen you before, whatever, and he's just like, yeah, maybe I got one of those faces. <laughs> oh. Uh. And it was but, just, you want to partner up? Yes, Hoyt, you want to partner up with a tall, handsome dude. You do. Everyone just does. Just for me. Yeah. For a gift. For me. Yeah. The only- and Shannon and I had talked about, like, once his cameo was revealed, everybody was talking about, oh, what is he going to do? Is he going to be this? And he's going to be that. And I'm literally <laughs> like, it's it's a two-second cameo where he gets shot. Yeah. He'll be in the show for less than three minutes. He won't yeah. have a name. He won't be in the credits. And then he gets shot. Yeah. <laughs> and Hoyt steals his coat. Yeah. Um, I do kind of wish we had gotten his name, though. I wish it was Cordell somehow. It was It was Wardell. Oh, yes. Wardell Cocker. <laughs> I wouldn't, like, because the reason I wish it was Cordell is so, so it can be, like, he like he was intentional about writing Cordell. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we'll find out in the future that he does know the name. We just don't. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I like that they left it open ended by him like coughing and waking up. Yeah, I saw I saw a lot of people who assumed he was dead, and I'm like, no, he was like he was. He had his op- eyes open and he was moving. Yeah. It just kind of looked like he was dead for a minute. He's fine. <laughs> He's just a little yeah. maimed. Cordell or um, Hoyt just left him a little cold. Yeah. Or well, yeah. I, I would hope he would give him his coat. So it's Maybe. Like swapsies. Swapsies. Yeah. Makes sense. Because Hoyt's a nice um, guy. <laughs> Hoyt is. Like, I, I have to say, Hoyt is kind of sort of, like, people were like, he killed him. It's like, he was breathing then. There's no way that he would have shot him in cold blood. Yeah. Like, Hoyt's not that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Like Hoyt doesn't mind killing somebody in a in a shootout, but he's not um like even in the third one, Blood and Whiskey, he made sure to shoot the people that were shooting him in such a way that they weren't gonna die. Mm. Or it wasn't a de- they weren't death shots. I mean, this is the eighteen hundreds. Infections and medical care, not quite, maybe a hundred percent. Um, but still, like, so I don't think, but I really loved, I loved how small it was. I thought it was perfect. I thought it was a nice little introductory character. I know Jared said we have, he has, like, the plan is that he does come back. Mm-hmm. So I'm, 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 I'm so excited about that. I love that we don't know how incestuous we wanted it to be. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, if Hoyt is Hoyt's like ancestor then there's no reason that cordell can't be cordell's ancestor yeah he's his own grandpa he's his own great 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 i think it's i think somebody did the math and if cordell is the fifth generation walker that makes abby the great great grandma and so he would be his own great great grandpa Mm -hmm. it's interesting is this implying that he and and uh, Abby hook up and create a long lineage of Walker kids? Or is that just a, by chance he just happens to look exactly like this ranger guy? See, I think it would make, make more sense if that, but, you know, 
it was a family trait, mm. but then again, you never know. Yeah. But I can't, even though, yes, technically this whole show is leading up to Cordell Walker being war- born in like centuries, like in 150 years later, I don't see Jared wanting to make the show all about him yeah. or making himself that big of a show, mm-hmm. part of the show. So, yeah. Um, I, I would hope that if we get more seasons, it would be funnier if his character remains nameless and he just <laughs> pops up in different parts of different episodes. That would be amazing. Like, I think I, it would just be hilarious to have like little cameos here and there. Like, you're like, oh, hey, there's, there's, you know, Jared. We still don't know his character name, and I guess he's alive now, but, like, what is he doing? And then you just see him, like, <laughs> spattered through different episodes and stuff. That would be perfect. That's I would love I would it if he, it. Got to, <laughs> yeah. ex- he got to meet the other characters. Yeah. Like, not just Hoyt. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. Like, you just see him at the sidestep one day, or you just see him, like, um, sending a telegram or something one day somewhere, or, like, it would just be so funny. <laughs> or watching Kate's show. Yeah. Like yeah. he's just one of the patrons and he's just watching Kate dance. Yeah. Um I we should talk about Tom. We really should. It's like should he, he had a lot to do this episode. <laughs> should we? Should we? Yeah. We should talk about him at least in the flashback so it's not quite as painful. Should just we? watching him being a creepy stalker over Abby. <laughs> it was a okay. delight. Yes. <laughs> Listen, as the self-appointed president of the Tom Davidson Redemption Squad, mm-hmm. yes, it was creepy, but also we knew it. Yeah. How many times on this podcast have we said that Tom Davidson is too smart to not know that that's yeah. Liam Collins' wife? I even thank you. I even remember yes. distinctly saying like. He knows who she is, and if he doesn't, he's a terrible <laughs> sheriff. Yes. And he knew the entire time. And Kat had a great tweet the other day that was like, the best part is Tom trying to act like he doesn't know as everyone else is trying to dupe him when Abby's sister came into town. <laughs> and they're trying to find this body. Like, Tom must have just been sitting there laughing and being like, idiots. Yeah. <laughs> But he genuinely seemed to fall for her over the period of time. Yes, he was that's her. what I actually really like. Like, I know it's creepy, yes. but I think he genuinely loves her. It's creepy, but sweet. It's sweepy. I know that sounds, that sounds so <laughs> awful, but yeah, I think it, I think he genuinely loves her, and it gives another depth to the character. Yeah, and it's gonna suck I... a lot more next week when he ends up in like a shootout with her <laughs> yeah but it's also gonna be hot yeah i'm sorry like the way they're setting that up that is sexy yeah that's true it's like a mr and mrs smith kind of thing see at first sexy. We're, we're already gonna go into theories for next week but that's fine um mm-hmm. at first i thought it was gonna be gus dying on my birthday and now i think it's gonna be tom dying on my birthday and i think that's why Philly's, I tweeted about it, but I think that's why Philly's interview was like, some of you are going to be mad because he knows about the Tom Davidson redemption squad, I mm. think. So, yes, some of us will be pretty upset. Yeah. Really quickly, I've got to mention this before I go far because you 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 mentioned Philly and dying. Mm. I love, love, love 
that they're mirroring um, Liam's fate in the first season of Walker. Because in 111, you hear shots ring out and you don't know who shot. Mm -hmm. And then the next episode is a flashback episode. 112 was a flashback episode. And at the end, you know that Liam was in in fact shot and his life is in danger. Or like you're really worried that he's dead. And then in the next episode, and I'm hoping it goes through. I don't know, but there was that picture. And the next episode, he comes back and is the hero. Mm -hmm. My thing is not who, because I think Liam is going to be analogous to, I know Liam, like Philly is analogous to Liam. My question is, is Tom going to be analogous to Clint? Or is he going to be analogous to Trevor? Hmm. He's not very See, similar think, to Clint, I think, because Clint was more I, like super evil. <laughs> I think so, they're doing like, a big foreshadowing where like the beginning of episode 12, when Gus goes into town and he sees the, the then sheriff and he confronts him and said, you killed the old sheriff. And he was like, yeah, I had to. He turned on the badge or what, what, you know, whatever. He turned into a bad guy. And then um, the kind of the theme going into 12, like throughout the episode and towards the end, when Gus walks into the barn, um, is like nobody's above the badge. So I think that's kind of foreshadowing. In my opinion, this is what I think. Um, in 13 is that Gus is going to be okay because we do have that spoiler we do have that spoiler picture of Gus standing um, with Kai, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looks okay. He doesn't necessarily looks on death door. He's got a gun in his hand and he's standing up. Um, and I think it it's maybe alluding or it's, it's going to kind of shadow that of um, they're going after Tom because it's, they think it's for the better of the town and that he can't be above the badge. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe the just the, the the title of 13 is let him hang and so they want tom to hang yeah I don't, I don't know i feel like it's a part of me is like yes it's going to be tom and obviously you see the promo and and tom has the gun and, and like abby's going after him but a part of me is wondering if they cut everything so they're really going after shane mm. um and it's Tom like defending Shane or Tom is also going after Shane like I don't know I'm I'm so lost and confused because it could go like a few different ways I um I think they're going after Tom but I think it's going to come down to the fact that Abby is given a, a, a chance to shoot Tom and she just can't because that's really not justice and she's going to basically turn him over to, like, Augustus to be tried. Now, he might hang. So it's basically like, you know, what if he, they, he's given the death penalty? Well, let him hang. And I think next season is going to be the Davidsons getting him out. I think that... But that that's, that's my theory. Um, I think... Um, that's my theory. I think... I honestly think that Shane's going to be the Clint. And I think Shane's dead, gonna die. That's my theory. Could be wrong, 
Um, the one thing I do know is going to happen that's just going to make me mad is I know Callian is going to get injured. Mm -hmm. I think um, based on the ending of episode 12 and how it leads into episode 13, obviously we haven't seen it, but we've seen the trailer. Um, I think that everyone is going after Tom and Shane because Gus had him in handcuffs and was about to take him and then got hit over the head by Shane. And for whatever reason, probably like just familial loyalty, Tom went from being literally tortured by his own brother and mm -hmm. trying to get him shot and saying, Gus, shoot him, shoot him, to running away with Shane because Shane was like, we're family. And it's like, okay, I guess, but... Um, but you were just torturing your brother and yeah. your brother was just torturing you. But yeah, Gus is going to, you know, wake up and see, oh, shit, you know, they both left. Clearly, they're in cahoots together, regardless of however much Tom said to shoot him. <laughs> they're working together. So we cannot trust Tom anymore. We have to take them both out. And I think that's mm -hmm. how it's going to go. It's because Gus is going to be OK. <laughs> and he's going to kind of relay that information to the town. Like, they're clearly working together. Like the and Tom and Gus was already going to arrest Tom. Yeah, because like basically Tom like you know was torturing people and doing bad things. Yeah. Um. And lying about telegrams. But I want to say something really quickly. Just my feelings about Tom throughout the season. I really love how they did it because at the first it was like, you know, it felt like open and shut. Tom's a bad guy, mm -hmm. and then. Like, and I, and at the beginning of the season, I was like, it's way too easy. He can't be the bad guy. But then they're like, uh, people got to know him. And I, and everybody's like, oh, well, Tom's actually a good guy. Maybe he can be redeemed. And him and Abby are hot, which is not untrue. <laughs> but then again, I will say that the cast is overall hot with everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but um, when he became so like, when it was twisting it right in the middle of him being good, like like it being really sympathetic to him, my thought was, okay, this is way too soon for it to be us to be sympathetic to the person if he's not the killer. So I was honestly like my my feelings were kind of going against everybody else's because I was like, oh, narratively, where is this going to go? Because it seems like you know it's switching too soon. Um. And then they did it where, yeah, and I, I think we've always said is, yes, he's the bad guy, but he may not be the killer. Mm -hmm. Well, now I'm really thinking, yes, he's a bad guy. And yes, he's the killer, but he's the killer for reasons that are not just like out and out. Like he's still bad, but he's not evil. Like, and we don't know, and I really love that we don't know. And I love that it took us on this journey of hating Tom, loving Tom, wanting Tom and Abby to get together, now thinking it's creepy, but maybe also hot. Because mm -hmm. I see a lot of tweets that are like, you know, that deranged kind of love is hot. Like, in real life, no, it's not. But in fiction, it's very compelling. Um, yeah. Yes, don't do that yeah, in real life. Yeah, no. <laughs> Fiction and reality are in not the real same. Life, <laughs> in real life, this is red flags. If people were willing to kill your husband to be with you, red flags. Mm -hmm. Run. 
But in fiction, which is definitely is, it's compelling. And I think that's interesting because I like it that how Tom is a bad person, but there's goodness in him. And it's like, he's egalitarian. Mm. He like, there's a lot of things about him that are, are good. And it feels like if he had been born to a different family and raised a different way, he would be the hero and not the villain. Yeah, I think when this show first first started and we first started the podcast, I think I remember saying that I thought Tom was the killer and that um, I didn't know if he was like a mustache twirling villain, but I, I was so sure that he was the killer and uh, I didn't necessarily like him from the beginning because I didn't have much to go on, obviously. And over the course of the season, I've grown to love him and... Um, I think a lot of that stems from the fact that he is a truly pathetic man and I love pathetic men. Mm-hmm. And I, I I, said this theory on Twitter that I think because he fell in love with Abby, he's the one who killed Liam because Shane was on his way to do it. And if Shane had done it, he would have killed Abby too. So instead Liam shot, or not Liam, um, Tom shot Liam and made a very purposeful choice to shoot Abby in her shoulder knowing that she wouldn't necessarily die from it and it's like his way of protecting her which is also so pathetic and I love it um and I just I don't know I just think he's grown so much as a character over this entire season that anyone who still thinks of him as strictly only 100% bad guy is missing all these wonderful things that he's done and how he's grown he's great <laughs> and so okay on, and i like, think part of i think part of the reason too is is you gotta give you gotta give credit to the writers obviously for making it but right you, you gotta give props up to to greg because yeah, absolutely you're making a character that was written as evil from like written as evil from the start that he's supposed to be the bad guy everybody's supposed to hate him mm-hmm. but to you know words words on a page are one thing and you can have stuff that's beautifully written but to also have an actor who can just straight up embody that and and come across as charming but also you know he's a little bit dangerous and a little bit evil and a little bit pathetic (laughs) but then but then like like we've seen like in and myself too like you go through and you're like, I don't think he's all that bad. I think here's his good points too. And I don't think he's terrible. Like, mm-hmm. so I, I think you got to give props to Greg too for a lot of that. Absolutely. 100%. I, my theory, because, and I just got to go back to this. I'm so sorry. My theory is Shane got there first and Shane actually shot Liam first. Cause if you remember, Liam is like bleeding limping back to the uh wagon going you know um you know abby and my theory is what happened behind the scenes that we don't see is shane shot liam and it didn't work and tom goes fine i'll clean up the mess and shane goes you better Um, um and so that's why he shoots he you know kills liam and then he shoots abby like he did like i'm agreeing with you basically yeah 
Um, but I'm also remembering you said it was because Liam did something bad that he had to die. And it's kind of funny that yes and no. Well, I was he did something bad. Yeah. He agreed to work for Teresa, but then he changed his ways because of Abby, and that's why he was killed. I was gonna I say thought that, that was interesting. Actually. I thought about that when I was watching that. I was like, Shannon kind of right. Yeah, because I, I had mentioned that he like we don't know much about him as a character except for the fact that he's married to Abby. And I thought maybe he's not all on the up and up and maybe there's something wrong with him. Maybe he's doing something shady behind the scenes. And I'm glad to know that I was right. <laughs> they confirmed that he he was working with them or part of some kind of plan. And and he tried mm -hmm. to redeem himself because of his wife. And they were like, nope, goodbye. Yeah, so I, I loved that. I think Abby would be heartbroken if she found out that she was the reason her husband was killed. Mm. Um, but I love that. And I'm going to say this. Teresa is really like we say Shane's the bad Davidson. I'm going to say Aunt Teresa is mm -hmm. really yeah. bad. Yeah. 100%. He's the horrible one. But and he's probably is too. But I really want to meet Big Daddy Davidson. Mm. Yeah. Because he sounds like he's a piece of work, too. And I want to, one, know the character they could get to play that, the actor. Mm -hmm. And two, just to see, like, because he's almost mythic at this point. Yeah. Um, so I'm really curious about that and hope he's in season two. Um, season two, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, like, I just, I really, like, I really love how... They have crafted this season. The one person who I don't fell, feel we really got a backstory this episode. Very much. Like we got his backstory with Augustus, but we didn't get his backstory. Is because like we've gotten so much of his backstories previously was Callian. Yeah, yeah, but just seeing how he met Gus, everybody was really happy about that because everybody loves them together. Mm -hmm. And it was yes, like no. and I speak for myself and everyone else. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Like, I thought that was amazing. I love how, I just love, how, I just love how that worked. And I'm going to have to say this. Hoyt saying, I don't want to partner up because I lost my best partner. And now he loves so much more than just a partner. Like, he loves Callian. He's really close to Augustus. And the way he works with just the whole gang and the way... Like, it's so funny to hear him say that when just the episode before, he was really the cheerleader of getting the gang back together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that just, it just made my heart kind of, like, heal a bit for poor Hoyt and just go, wow, how beautiful is that turn? Mm -hmm. I, oh, I love sorry. the found family. I love it. <laughs> I love that quote. I love that quote he did. It's like, People say that blood is thicker than water, but for those without close connections, they'll take water, tea, or whiskey or something like that. Yeah. I loved it so much. Mm -hmm. And I love Kai and Hoyt's relationship. I want to see more of it. Me too. More of everything, please. Yes. More of everything and more shirtlessness. We did not get Callian shirtless this season. We need that. Mm-hmm. I am sure that uh, Philemon looks really great. <laughs> I 
Maybe we'll get a glimpse of that though, because I think we get a glimpse of it. Maybe. Well, yeah. I mean, he's injured. They have to take off. They have to take off his shirt because he's injured, right? They have to. They have to, right? They have to. So I'm I'm thinking we're gonna. (laughs) You remember how in one thirteen we that glorious shot with like Liam's shirt open and the brand on the shoulder, Mm -hmm. and then he like that that glorious shot. I'm I'm like just thinking that we should get something similar. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so. This show is just like honestly, like w- the Walker verse Thursdays when both shows are new, because we're about to get to the area where they're not both new, and we're watching Walker, which is still wonderful. But when both shows are new, it is just an amazing, 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 amazing night of television. And the next day, you're like, "What? Yeah. Yep." So that's it for this episode. Um, We have one more episode of Walker Independence to come. I cannot wait to discuss it with Kat and Shannon. I can't wait to see it. Obviously, we haven't seen it yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can't wait to discuss it next week either. Um, But again, 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 especially going into the last episode, if you love Independence, talk about it, tweet about it. Post on Instagram, on Facebook, you know, watch the episodes a hundred times. Put it on for your cats while you go to work or something. Just put it on for your dogs, your cats, <laughs> whatever you whatever you want to do. Watch it on your phones, on like the CW app. Um, do whatever you can because every view is going to count and help drive hopefully a decision for a second season. Yeah. Yeah. And... Also, do the same with Walker because you know yes. Walker still hasn't been renewed either, and yes. we want we want more Walker versus Thursdays. I refuse to believe that we have one left. Mm-hmm. I know. I want more Trey. We'll get there. We'll we'll have a positive attitude and say we are gonna get another season where we're gonna have so many things of both shows. Yeah. And we'll have plenty more episodes of the podcast where we can talk about those next seasons and we're gonna be positive yeah this is so against my type i'm a i'm a pessimist by nature (laughs) (laughs) but thank you all for listening um we want to hear so you can find us on twitter our handle is at the sidestep we want to hear your like your guys's thoughts on episode 12 tell us what you think tell us what you think you think is going to happen going into the finale um who do you think is going to hang <laughs> since that's the title of the episode? Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to, to hear what you guys think. Wouldn't it be funny if it was just hanging laundry? Yes. <laughs> Leave Kyle hanging alone, upside down or something. <laughs> Big spoiler alert. Nobody's hanging. They're just putting laundry away. <laughs> so we will see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>